welcome to the Unlabeling Effect, where three distinctive women daringly dive into some taboos with the intention to normalize the uncomfortable yet vital conversations. We are ready to embark on a journey of self-discovery with comrades like you. Welcome back to the second part of the episode, Three Types of People You Will Meet. Go ahead and listen to part one if you haven't already, or else thank you for tuning in again. And let's pick up where we left off last time, the great family value lesson that Melody has learned. So everyone might have subconsciously have certain family values in you based on your upbringing. When I was being brought up in Hong Kong, I always felt that there was a distance between me and my siblings and then me and my parents. There's almost like a hierarchy. And mm, I and when I was a kid, I didn't really quite know if that hierarchy was breakable or not. And I felt like there was pressure that was resisting me from being open to them. Mm. And until I moved to the UK when I was like 14 and then I met Henry and then I started to become more involved with his family. And that was eye-opening. It was my first time to be able to witness that a family relationship could have such a great horizontal relationship. It was very... That's when I started to reflect on my communications with my parents. I then started to call my parents more often to take the initiative to open up to them. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize I could take the control back. And then now Mm -hmm. I have a much healthier relationship with my parents. I can go up to my parents and tell them what I think, even though I could tell that realistically there are still some resistance deep root to cultural element is also mm. influencing that hierarchy relationship like it's simple as how we address them i would not call my older sibling like my sister by their name it's always sister in cantonese it's impolite to call them by their name or even our parents whereas like other cultures it might be okay as simple as this linguistic difference it could change a lot in relations and i think it's such a beautiful lesson that you learned You know, being the person to witness Mel's family dynamic is really lovely. And her interaction with her dad is so cute. Um, I just want to reiterate a point is that you can try. Yes, that's of course. But only you know when you need to let go and when you can or you have the capability to keep trying. A psychologist that Rita and I really like, Adam Adler, the base of like building horizontal relationships, setting boundaries. Remember, you you as an individual, you can only do so much. You can set out a perfect, pure intention. You can try no matter how many times that you're willing to. But there is a time for you to decide if this should continue or stop for your own Mm. sake. Totally, because I think it's both way. Mm. It wouldn't work if it's a one-way action. You have to get responses, you know, from the other side. Mm. Yeah. And fifth example of granny actually brings us to the type three. I think a lot of people would associate family to people that would last forever. But I would like to unlabel the label of family has <laughs> to be family all the time. Like if that family is not doing you good in your mental well-being or well-being in general, 
it's okay and it's completely morally right to distance yourself. Type three are the people who are in your life from the beginning to the end. I'm curious about how would you have the confidence to tell at this point of your life that someone would stick around till the end of your journey? I would like to know who would you put in type three. Is it just family or who else? You know, when I was thinking about this, the only person that I could think of was myself. Hmm. Yeah. I would be my best friend to be able to push myself to grow in a direction that you know I would wish. Even mm. though my sister, one of my sister, like she came across my mind. But now, for example, I was just reflecting back on my long distance relationship with one of my sister because I've got four other sisters, but my closest sister. And our audience is very shocked right now. Four sisters? Yeah. Yes, she does. <laughs> Even though I feel like spiritually, I'm the most connected to her. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm still the only person that would really support myself and witness my growth. What about fifth? Do you agree? Um, but the answer of just myself did come across my mind, but I would say you girls after myself. Mm. I think it's really rare for people who've known each other. I lost count of the number of years and we grew so much and we grew in different directions. And there were times that we didn't talk and there were times where uh, we would have conflict but somehow every time we came back, it surprised me. Like a little part of me, I was like, huh, we could overcome that? I was like, holy moly. <laughs> and um, our ability to grow together really amazed me. Um, mm. And the decision to start UE and even UE, like UE brought us so many conflicts, but I love them. It, it's towards a point where you guys sometimes feel like home to me. It's like whenever I experience challenges or I feel weak or I feel like a piece of garbage, I can openly come to you guys. And I know there's a non-judgmental environment for me to just be a piece of trash. <laughs> it's like, so I guess, I guess, yeah, it would be you guys. And also that means we have to die after you so that we actually could. <laughs> But I, you know what? I do feel like we have a very solid common value that we all hold. Like we are so into self-growth, even though sometimes we might have certain judgments. But I feel like general speaking, we are rather respectful with people's um, opinions and actions because we have that skills to reflect and try to dissect what people's actions and the reasons behind them. Mm. And I'm so glad to know that Vivian has such a strong faith in our relationship. Because you don't or because you do? I do. Of course I do. <laughs> like no, if what's you... yours? You can't, you can't dodge it. Yeah, oh, same. Me. I was going to ask yours. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, to be honest, I don't have myself in that category w before you guys brought it up. Oh, that's I, interesting. I, yeah, I have not thought about it at all. And my answer is my family. You said other than your family. Yeah, I mean, then none. Ooh, fine. I'll hang no, up right no, now. Just, <laughs> goodbye, no, goodbye. Just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I'm just very reserved in other relationships that I wouldn't know what would happen in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years time. It could be something very traumatic, something major that, you know, maybe I would change. Maybe you would change. That's why I don't have such a strong faith in anyone that is not Ouch. my family. 
<laughs> I'm just being a very cautious person, maybe. No, yeah, it's, or, it's or try fair. To, yeah, it's try fair. to have control, you know, as usual. But I guess when you asked us, what's the one criteria to determine whether you think that person is gonna be here until the end of life mm. um you cannot yeah, be sure def- so definitely. so it's like it's like i would say one of the main thing is the communication skills mm. like um and as well as core values is what mel said i think if one doesn't know how to communicate how to express their point of view or show their frustration to understand your point of view, um, that is just that sentence. Like, mm. it's something that I I learned from my previous relationship. Um, he's a person that is not very outspoken. So I think towards a point of life where I've, I've grown so much and I wanted more in a relationship, we just became so misaligned. And then after the relationship ended, I was out like dating for a very long time. I've been single for three years. I lost count. Um, And what taught me is that you need to be the first one to show faith that that relationship will last or that relationship is going to work. You can't be like, hey, I'm cautious. Of course, the other person would say, I'm cautious, too. Like we are human beings that is wired to help us survive. The only way, very contradicting, to build strong bond or to start building a relationship with a person is you showing that you trust them without the base of them doing anything for you. So mm-hmm. how you express that and are you brave to tell that person, hey, I trust that if I fall off the cliff, you'll catch me. And I think that is the biggest lesson that I'm learning, like how to be vulnerable, but yet so scared, like a little Mickey Mouse. I think you hit on two really great points. The first one is trust. You know, like how do you show trust? Because I wonder, or quite this is a question for all of us, whether it is a problem of this era that people have a sense of insecurity. And that's why people are so afraid to trust someone and the second one is showing your vulnerability being able to show your vulnerability to the people that you trust and then you actually feel very powerful because you have nothing to hide so I think trust and then vulnerability Mm -hmm. they both fall under what people would always call insecurities yeah definitely trust is an issue everyone is so afraid of getting hurt in this era so everyone is trying to have the worst case scenario in head and try to hold back and reserve mm-hmm. a bit before they go all in. Yeah, and that's like, why the age of marriage has postponed to age forty-five. Mm. <laughs> it's actually a concept that I shared with Rita. Is it Helen Fisher? Um, Helen Fisher and Esther Perel um, are two doctors that researched about love. I was going to save this for our relationship season, which I just blew our cover here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really think it resonates to what we're discussing here is that this Helen for sure actually introduced this concept of slow love movement. So a lot of people think that nowadays in this era, the relationship scene, the dating scene is like next, next, next. Right. And then people don't have the patience and people sleep around and they they don't ever commit. Right. 
That's our understanding. But the slow love movement that she introduced actually said that we are not trying to next, next, next. We're not trying to swipe, swipe, swipe. Instead, we are too cautious that we need to see the pre-commitment face of them, which is sleeping with them. So if you think deeply, sleeping with a person actually tells you a lot about them, whether they're kind, whether they listen to you, whether they have sense of humor, whether they're open to new ideas or, you know, caring, touching, um, you know, it actually tells you a lot about that person. And um, the practice of people sleeping with someone and then get to the committed relationship, if you think about it, it's because they have less surprises. And before, when it was the old traditional marriage system, we only do that after marriage. But now we actually switch the, the sequence. So it's very interesting to, to me to really understand even our practices like gaslighting or ghosting. Um, so moving on to the next concept Esther Perel introduced, basically, it just changed my idea of ghosting. So I used to ghost guilty, um, very guilty, because I feel shameful for what I've done to other people. When I have a chance to talk to them again, I do know that I hurt them. And there were a few people that had done to me. I couldn't let that go because I didn't have that closure. But if you think about it, ghosting is actually an act of avoidance. So they are making their own action of causing other people pain so invisible that they make it invisible themselves. So they're not willing to confront you. They are not willing to see you hurt. They're not willing to see your response of you hurting them. And that's why they just like, nope, I'm going to go. Like, I don't want to see you crying. I don't want to see your sad face. Just goodbye. And then they go on to the next one. So I'm not sure if I'm being too empathetic here because I do believe like we have to hold people accountable for their actions. But I just think that human behavior um, evolving is so interesting in a way before we judge a person being the playboy playgirl we have to understand their intention so at the base of it all it's just people being super freaking scared of committed to something that would hurt them eventually and it ties back to our big picture thinking and uh, detail-oriented episode again if you think of the traditional system a lot of decisions are made, you know, like who's the breadwinner and who takes care of the children? When will we get married? When will we have babies and who have the power? Who should be silent in social settings? They're all pre-decided for us. But then now we are so free that everything is up for grasp. Everything is unknown. Everything is uncertain. So the base of every relationship, friendship, family, Dating relationship, it all based back on communication. So we have to talk obsessively in order for us to understand what the other person expects. For example, let's go back to Mel's um, example of her and uh, her parents. You know, like her parents were very familiar with the hierarchy system because they grew up in that. And Mel had to do so much communication work for them to understand, okay, now we have to take away the whole hierarchy system established hundreds of years ago. So 
when it comes down to who's going to buy the bread, who hurt my feelings when you yelled at me this morning? Like, do I talk to them? Do I not talk to them? They're all up for grasp. So everyone is like, what should I do? And it, everyone is confused. It's, I think it's hard work. It's not easy. And for example, as you said, like with my parents, it's still a work in progress. I don't think we are at the point where it's ideal yet, but you just have to keep trying. But the most important thing is you have to work on yourself before you can work on any other things. Because otherwise, any kind of expectations that you have might not align with what you want because you haven't even properly built your own foundation yet. Mm. You know? So I'm thinking, have you surrounded yourself with healthy people to help you to get to where you are? Like, how do we filter our social circle or like reflect on our social circle to create a favorable environment for our growth? Or simply put, have you let go of people because you know they are not good for your well-being in general or your growth? So just by my natural instinct, the first thing I would do is to sense their energy. <laughs> Honestly. Mel's radar is on again. <laughs> it's so accurate, guys. I'm telling you. Initially, or the first encounter would be to, you know, get the energy from that person. And I don't know if it's natural for everyone, but maybe not. Or that's how I would determine whether I would want to see that person again, or whether I would rather just, you know, have a great time with them. And then maybe we'll just move on. And probably in the near future, if we have any coincidence or, you know, any kind of occasion that we'll meet up again, great. But um, I always would be the active one if I really want to see the person again. I would be mm. the person who um, would ask either for the number, for the contact, or find a way to connect with them again in the future. I'm pretty mm. proactive in that because I do appreciate having good vibes and good people in my life. It's really sad to say, but um, I guess all these shadow work that I've done is really by my own. And I did my own research and then I was lost. I was accepting myself, allowing time and space for myself to feel lost. So I actually, even like with you guys, I I also told you like, you know, I'm not going to hang out with you guys as much because I need to find my anchor. <laughs> um, but I would say that you don't really need to filter people. I think it's a very fresh tick for me because if you're authentic and if you behave with uh, your values aligned, actually those people will find you either boring or I find you too much or find you or my previous situationship that ghosted me. Maybe because if I'm aligned with myself, they automatically can sense that I'm not for them. And comparing to all friendships, um, and biggest life lessons. I would say those really short-lived dates that I, I've been on with, they taught me so much because they are usually the ones that is outside of my routine, outside of my industry. And they really made me reflect on all the potentials that I have with the world. And it just naturally came to a point where um, maybe I just need some time away. Mm. And then when I'm ready... I come back and reconnect with them. Mm. 
So do you have like people that are still in your social circles, but you think that they don't actually add value to your life anymore, even like worse still might be negatively impacting you in some way and you mm-hmm. haven't let them go for some reason? Maybe it's a fear of consequence or maybe it's the memory, the dear memories that you guys had. Because for me, that happens, especially like um, a group setting, like collectively, you guys have some memory. And because of that, I feel like I have a role there. And hence, I always stick to that. But I could see that some group, I'm not going to give too much information here, but some groups in my social circle that are not really adding value to my life. And worse still, they could be pretty toxic because our mindset might not have grown in a way that we are still aligned. For example, they might still like to gossip, gossip, make friendship, mm. or um, they might still be pretty judgmental. Mm-hmm. Um, and those could give me negative energy. And I don't like to engage in those conversations sometimes, but because of my role, I don't let them go. So I'm guilty of that. I'm so glad that you brought up this point because we three of us went to the same high school in Hong Kong. And I would say that among all three of us, I was the person who was surrounded myself with the most, not bitches, but the most like gossipy, gossipy people. people. Yeah, yeah like sure. in, in that period of my life. And obviously had different incidents and different trigger points to make me get distance from those people, right? And perhaps because of those experiences, at least from my perspective, I really don't think I've kept any friends that are very gossipy, very much like, you you know, you would go behind people's back. And I just dislike that. So whenever I see someone having some actions like that, I that's like a big red flag for me. And exactly. I cannot, and I cannot stand that. So if you really ask me, and I, I can be very like honest about this, I think now I don't think I have any of those friends in my life because I cannot allow that. And I hate that. And I would confront that person and then I might cut them out. Rita, I want to ask you a question. When you said you were holding on to those memories and you think you have a role in that relationship, um, two sub questions. A, what role is that? And B, what kind of value you see for yourself fulfilling that role? It's a very tough question because I couldn't see how they're doing me any good in the future. But I think that role is just a a member of the group and they Mm. would always try to include you because you have always been there that everyone felt like there was a duty or there everyone has to be there for the sake of it. Yeah, I, I think so. Because individually, we are not close. As a group, we'll be there. I guess it might be helpful for you to have a conversation with them and to see like what role you play in their lives. And if they cannot answer that question, of course, you can go, you can leave. And you can ask yourself, like, what are their values to you? Maybe you're trying to avoid the confrontation. Maybe you are trying to avoid the emotions that your exit will bring to you. Mm. So what are you actually hiding from? That's the question that you have to ask yourself. Maybe I just don't like confrontation. I don't like conflict and I don't like all the drama that would bring. I know. It's so hard. It's so hard. Mm. So we have been talking about how do we maintain or reshape our social circle for our own sake? 
Have you met someone that should be included in this circle, but you have met them at the wrong timing, and hence they have not been included right now at the present time? I mean, there would be people that I wish could have stayed closer to me. Like they are still in my life, but we just don't really talk much. Mainly because the other person probably are just having a really busy life, you know.、Mm. And it really depends on the person's、uh, capacity, or maybe it's to do with where we are in lives. Because, for example,、um, if a friend have just started a family who's got kids. Um, her or his capacity or spare time won't be as flexible or available versus me, who don't really have much commitment in life yet. You know, mm, mm. I wouldn't say there's a wrong timing. I think, as Mel said, she likes to say everything happens for a reason, right?、Mm-hmm. So I really think that there's no right timing. If you think that you met someone. At the wrong timing, it's just because it's not meant for you. Of course, I've met people, especially like in my dating relationship. There are a few people that I really admire, and then I thought that like we would fit each other. But then when it didn't work out, it hurts because you think that it would work, and you think, ah, it's the wrong timing. So sometimes when I look back to those moments, and it took me a very long time to get over them. So I would say that sometimes we unconsciously blame wrong timing. You gave a valid reason for people to hold on to things.、Mm. You know what the hell is a wrong timing? If they're not ready, they're not ready. It's、right. not like oh they will be ready in two years, so I should wait it out. Like、mm. that is not the right way to rationalize. Like the defense mechanism that we talked about. It's us trying to find a reason to justify what happened, so we don't feel bad. Yeah. But actual way to do it is to just accept that you are hurt.、Mm. Like there's no right time. You just have to have the trust to know that it's gonna work out exactly how it should be.、Mm. Trust the journey. And again, that's about acceptance. Yeah, I know. I said a lot of big things in this episode, but trust me, I cry myself to sleep, like maybe two times a just, week.、So. <laughs> just to learn them, just to learn them. Yeah. Yeah.、Um, and when I figure out how to build that trust in your journey, I will share that with the audience. <laughs> for sure, we're waiting、yeah. for it. Yeah. So the importance of carefully select or review or reflect on your social circle is so important. I would use a story to explain its importance. The story consists of a grandson and a grandpa. The grandpa told the grandson that a fight is going on inside everyone, and it is a terrible fight between two wolves. One is evil. He represents anger, envy, regret. Greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, and so on. And the other one is good. He represents joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, empathy, generosity, and so much more of good stuff. And the grandson asked, "Which wolf win the battle?" Then the grandpa said, "The one that you feed." So from this story, you could see who you surround with would make or reshape who you are right now. This episode, I would really want our audience to understand that everyone comes into your life for a reason. Some for good reasons, some for bad reasons. At the end of the day, they make us who we are today. Be happy and be thankful for those you will meet in the future, as well as thankful for those who you already have met. 
That's all for today's episode, three types of people you will meet. Join us again next time when we talk about, are you really listening? Thank you for tuning in and let's continue the conversation on Instagram at Unlabeling Effect. Please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and iTunes and give us a rating. Until then, dare to feel, dare to be real.